Hi, this is Chris Ring, and I'm on the the Never Gets Old podcast, and I'm talking with my buddy Mac Jackson, and we're going to talk some comics, books, shows, whatever I got going on. I'm Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. My name is Ichabod Crane. My name's MacGyver. Colonel Jack O'Neill, SG-1. I am Batman! Hello, I'm the Doctor. So there's this man, he has a time machine. Up and down history he goes, zip, 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 getting into scrapes. For years, and maybe more than that, right, Mac? For, for how long has it been? Has it been six, seven years ago? Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Human beings were not meant to sit in little cubicles staring at computer screens all day. I've got something for you. Oh, uh, merci, Sonora. Just one more thing, sir. Oh, boy. Just like that. Bing, bang, boom. At this point, I'd settle for the boom. They'd love it here, don't you think? This is what I'm saying. And, and by the way, where is your podcast? Tell everybody that's here. Welcome to the Never Gets Old Podcast. The podcast of all we love in TV, movies, music, and comics. With your hosts, Mac Jackson and Nathan Shell. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, and YouTube. Donations at paypal.com at macwjackson at comcast.net. Listen to my taping songs. DJ saying that they're too long. His guitar may be silenced, but his soul goes on and on. Alone again, alone again. His stories were like us, a beginning and a end. Alone again. Now I listen in my room. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Never Gets Old podcast. I'm your host, Mac Jackson. And if you'd be so kind, uh, when you watch our show, it would help if you'd hit subscribe and like below or wherever they decide to put it this week. Uh, if you want to contribute, donate anything, uh, please go to our Patreon. Just go to the Never Gets Old podcast or our website, the Forever Adventure Network. And we'd appreciate it. And today I get someone who I've known for years and now finally get him on the podcast, a buddy of mine, Chris Ring. So, oh, by the way, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but he's got a series out, two so far, am I right? Correct. Aha, Seamus the Famous. Um... I, I think I called it, it was kind of like a ongoing Calvin and Hobbes kind of fun adventure that you, at the end of it, you always want more, which is always kind of what you want with the book. And I'm happy to say I have my copy. Yeah, you were one of the first guys to, to give me a review. Um, I got you a preview copy of the first book that came out. And actually, it was supposed to come out. March of 2020, 
and we all know what happened March of 2020. I think and, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was a there was a ten month delay on the book, and um, so yeah, it actually came out in pretty much 2021. But um, but you had a, a preview copy way way before that, and uh, yeah, you I I thank you for the kind words to get me get me started on my reviews. Oh, it, it's my pleasure. You know, and honest to God, uh, I know I've told you this in the past, but since we're recording for the audience. Um, it really is well done, and, and it's not um, what? A lot of kids' books are kind of, you know, could be phoned in. They don't really have a life of their own. You're kind of just going from page to page. You already know how it's going to end. And with your, I'm going to call it a series since there's two so far, um, it's, it is something that you're intrigued with to see what happens next. And then when it's over, you're like, okay, but that doesn't mean it's over. We're going to have more adventures in the future. So, you know, that, that was easy to do a review for that. Yeah, I, I get a lot of that. Um, yeah, the, the the kids, you know, it's kind of like the, the parents tell me the kids gobble it up. And then they're like, where's the next one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it takes me a while to write and draw, you know, 64 pages in, you know, in a book. So um, sometimes I just don't have an answer for them unless they only have one. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I got another one. Mm. But if they have both books, then I'm in trouble because they're just like, OK, what's next? And uh, so, well, yeah, they gob gobble them up pretty quick, which is pretty wonderful because, I mean, you put your heart and your soul into your work and then you go, anybody, please yeah yeah there's a lot of that and and um the hardest part is actually you know getting the book into the kids hands i mean once the kids have the book the parents are telling me they want to read it every night and we can't read it every night because it's 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 like twice as long as yeah a regular kids book yep and so parents always tell me oh my gosh they want to read it every night but i can't read it every night because it's long so we kind of break it up over like two or three nights. So, you know, I appreciate that. Well, how did you, I mean, uh, it's it's one thing to draw. Like I love to draw. Um, I went to commercial art, uh, Votech, you know, for, for those classes. And I think I told you, um, the teacher tells me, all right, who wants to be a commercial artist? We all raise our hand. And she goes, okay, it's not an oh, easy big life. mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an easy life. You're you're gonna not always work. When you do, it's not gonna get paid well. And then once that job is done, you have to look for your next job. Okay, let's get started. And we all kind of went, you suck the joy out of what you know what this yeah. is supposed to be. So I bring it up because I wonder what made you go. I'm gonna keep pursuing this. Now this is before the book. I mean, the book is a great solid that's all you yeah yeah what, what made you decide that you were gonna go i mean besides the joy of drawing um yeah there, there is i always i always forget like how i i base um how long we've known each other on the age of mikey right and you know he's he's so old now 14 <laughs> But yeah, he was, but uh, you've known me for a long time and there's been a slew of projects before this one. Um, but I think it was, it was the first 
uh, first book, the Carbonite series, that I was like, okay, this is this is the life for me. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could put out a book that people would read, and that was back in uh, 1995. Um, I've been drawing since I was a kid, sure. but um, that was kind of like you just kind of I don't know. It's probably like the first time you got up in front of a, a, an audience and played, you it's know, for, for the public. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. It's it's like, is anybody going to show up to the party? And um, and that book um, just kind of kind of took off locally, not nationally, but locally it took off. And and that's what kind of fueled the fire uh, to, like, you know, pursue this as a career. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, the old saying is, it's only taken me 30 years to be an overnight success, you know, kind of. <laughs> but I think, I mean, you have to enjoy the journey, right? I mean. I, I love the journey. I mean, really, it is, it's, it's the best um, because every day, you know, no matter how life kicks you in the teeth, I can sit at the table and, and doodle out what I call some self-work. You know, just start scribbling on a page and it makes me feel better. And I'm sure it's the same with you, you know, just picking up a guitar and strumming it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just it just makes you're producing something from nothing. Right. And and there's there's a lot of power in that. There's a you know, a lot of enjoyment out of that. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just cathartic. So, so no matter how down you get, you can always, you know, go into the studio and create and, you know, it, it turns everything around. You know what so. I think is a big difference now too, um, is the fact that we can share stuff easier than say we could have in the eighties and nineties, you know, it, I, you draw something, you're like, great, nobody's going to see this. Unless that gets published, nobody's going to see this. But I really, you know, now you can go, I just drew this and I'm putting it on Facebook or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right, right. And that then you get instant feedback. I think that's one of the things of social media that I think is useful. Yeah. Yeah, you can get yeah, my business. Out. It's a double-edged sword. And I'm sure in, in, in the music industry, it's a double-edged sword, too, because way back when i mean i i came up with um you know kind of like the indie books like teenage mutant ninja turtles was still an indie book uh the crow was still an indie book uh frank miller was just starting to do sin city um and and that was was taking off and it was it was still something um it was prior to the age of computers you know, so you still had to put books together by hand. Mm -hmm. And I still had to like shoot film and use photostats and uh, everything was like manual, a lot of paste up and stuff like that. So when you, when you actually got a book out there, not a lot of people were doing it. I mean, nowadays everything is digital and it's your competition has just exponentially grown. But back in the in the early 90s, it was it was like if you got a book out, there was a good chance that it was going to sell because, you know, as long as it was, it was halfway decent. Sure. It, it had to be have some some decent content in there. But 
you know, you, you, the competition of independent publishers wasn't what it was, what it is today. Mm. You know, so it was, it was kind of a, a much smaller group. And if you put in the, you know, the hours and you, you know, grinded out a book, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. Yeah, well, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's also the frustrating thing, you know, because you're like, I did it. I did it. Look, look, I did it. And yeah. now, you know, the, the, I'd say like 90% of the journey is just trying to flag people down to just look, if you look, you're going to love this, I hope. Right. I mean, I, I remember, um, you know, this was, my first book came out way before any social media. So I was basically like a vacuum cleaner salesman walking into comic book shops. Now, back then, there was a lot more comic book shops. I mean, every town had one. Uh, where I am in Williamsport, I think there was three at the time. Uh -huh. um, now there's one. Um, but yeah, I would go into just cold call comic book shops and walk in say like hey this is my book and uh what do you think and there was there was one shop in Williamsport at the time and I brought in like a photo photocopy of the book I hadn't had it printed yet and the guy's like he took a look at it and he read it and he's like uh he goes if if, if you make this book I can sell it I guarantee you I can sell it and so I came back I think it was um three months later and I brought my book in and he's like, who are you? And I said, I was, I was in here three months ago. He's like, he's like, Oh my gosh. He goes, do you know how many people say that they're going to make a comic book? And I never hear from him again. He goes, you're the first one who's actually made one wow. and brought it back to the shop. So, uh, so that was one of my first signings I did, uh, with that, with that particular owner. And, um, and then, yeah, uh, when I, when I first started, I went into like one out of three shops, maybe, maybe bought a couple copies or took the book on consignment. Right. By the time I was done with my first series, it was, you know, two out of three or sometimes three out of three shops because, you know, you start to, word starts to grow. Mm -hmm. And you start to get things in papers, you know, back when there were newspapers and uh, magazines. And uh, I, I actually made a couple TV appearances. And, uh, yeah, it was just, um, you know, just scraping up whatever kind of, you know, media existed at the time because mm -hmm. there was no social media. Now you got like, you know three different avenues at least for social media whether you're on instagram facebook TikTok, you know twitter uh, and even with crazy. that i'll tell you even with that you think great you have it but people just pass by they don't you know i think kind of people kind of take it for granted and they go uh-huh like no 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 oh but, yeah you know look this is it, come on give it two seconds yeah no it, it it's definitely that way um because uh, you know I'm I'm relatively old for you know social media in terms like I don't have a lot of followers I don't have a lot of you know I I'm better off at go, going to cons when I go to conventions people know me more through conventions and store signings and whatnot not through necessarily social media. Mm -hmm. 
So, so I can put, you know, my whole heart into a piece and post it online and, you know, crickets are chirping, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but then I can take the same work and go to, uh, you know, a comic book convention and, um, yeah, people say really nice things, you know. And, and I think it's because you have a good personality and you're fun to talk to, too. I mean, there's some people that are, you know, that I go, oh, I know who this artist is. And I go to talk to them and you're like trying to pull a conversation out of them right you know, you're like all right well i guess i'll just look at your stuff online then we won't talk you know that's no no that's that's one of the main reasons why i go to shows because you know i am you know chained to a to a, a desk for like 10 to 15 hours a day sometimes and um yeah there's there's a geek in all of us that wants to get out and talk i mean i know i've had you know, hour long conversations, if not two hour long conversations with you, yeah. if a show is slow, it doesn't matter if it's slow. Cause if you're there, we're just going to geek out and yeah. talk about comics and what we're reading and movies and whatnot. And, uh, no, it's, it's always a good time, whether the, the, the show is, you know, booming or whether it's slow, I always seem to, you know, make the most of the time. And, and, and from my point of view, as I'm talking, I'm always going, I want to make sure I'm not in anybody's way because if somebody right, comes, I'm like right. out of the way and like I'll come back you you guys talk you know no but that's a that's a seasoned uh that's a seasoned comic con goer is is right who knows to do that because yeah. uh you get the kids who just kind of like um you know will <laughs> set their soda on your original art you know that's oh. a, <laughs> I, you know, I remember that because I was there with you a couple times where people are like eating something. And they're looking at your stuff and they go to grab it. And I'm like, ah, don't, no right. touchy, no touchy. Just, you know, wipe, yeah. wipe the popcorn off your fingers. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a, a book now that like, it's like a giant binder with, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of my work that's, it's just prints and the, the kids can destroy it. I mean, I, I, it's already, I already wrote it off as everything in that book is like destroyed. Sure. So the kids can turn the pages however they want type, type of thing. And that's, that book is for them to look at. And, you know, so they have, but uh, original art, you know, if it doesn't go to my art rep, um, I kind of set it in a place on the table where only adults can get at because, because mm -hmm. they know how to treat it. You'd hope. Yeah. <laughs> um. What was I going to tell you? I, um, not, to, not, to, oh, tell me before I move on, tell me about the Kickstarter that you had. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, I should grab a, grab a book real quick here, right behind me. Yeah. Cause when I was, I was all ready to, to do one of these with you and my tooth fell apart. Like, oh, geez, yeah, I remember yeah. you mentioning that. And I mean, oh, the, the, the side of it just went bloop. And then when they went to do it, they're like, oh, we're going to do a root canal. Oh, great. And then they're pounding, you know, pounding the temporary on there. And I came home and I was just like, I can't even talk. I, this would not be a fun conversation. <sighs> That's yeah. the worst. Yeah. That's the worst. Um, yeah, no, the, the Kickstarter. It, it, well, here's the book. So here's the finished book. I have to get you get you a copy. Um, but yeah, it went it went really great. I was I was dreading it because I've never done a Kickstarter, 
and I've only kind of got on there and I think supported one. So I, I do not know the, uh, um, the whole media all that well. So right. it was a learning process for me. And um, so I asked, you know, I had three friends who were like deeply involved in it. And so I kind of questioned them before I set up and started the whole thing. They make it fairly easy for you to do but you have to you know really put a hundred percent into it you know and you have to be ready so so um yeah i just wanted to get the the quarter main book funded kind of thing or recover my printing cost and um yeah we set up the kickstarter and um you know i didn't know what to expect and we I think we had about 127 backers, which I, that's what I'm most proud of. Mm -hmm. It's like money, great. But the the purpose was it was, was for me to introduce my work to a new audience, you know, because I can go up and down the East Coast and I can go to all the cons, but I, do, I don't go to the cons on the West Coast or in Texas or the Midwest or so this is this was a way for me to introduce my work to people across the nation you know yeah yeah and um so yeah the 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 backing went really great I I had one friend who, who said to me like midway uh he's like you're not gonna make it and uh <laughs> he kind of oh. scared me and uh, he goes, oh, you're going to have to call up all your friends and your family. And it's like, you're not going to make it. And then I had other people saying, oh, you got it in the bag. You're going to make it easy. And I was like, so I didn't know who to believe. But um, it, there was steady growth throughout the, um, like the 30 days. I think I had it up for 30 days. And every day, you know, the numbers were changing and it was slowly, slowly climbing. And I had some... Uh, some really nice people i think um jeff messer was one who he was actually doing a kickstarter from mike grell's omnibus at the time and i had done a piece um uh, with mike's character john sable and alan quartermain for the baltimore comic-con mm -hmm. for their annual yearbook so that uh that piece appeared in their yearbook and jeff caught a hold of it and said put it up on his Kickstarter and said, if you like Mike's work, you're going to love Chris's work. Uh, they're both represented by Catskill Comics. And, and that kind of gave, gave me a nice little jolt. And I appreciated that. Wow. And then I had another friend who's, uh, who's got a, a kind of a Facebook page for fans of Stephen King. And I had worked with him on a couple projects. So he plugged it on his, um, his uh, podcast type thing. I don't know if it's a podcast or more like it. it's like a Facebook group hmm. that he does live videos for, and it's it's all like Stephen King stuff. So yeah, I had some you know people helping me out along the way, but there was a lot of lot of updates that I had to do, answer a lot of questions. Um, so uh, basically, yeah, I was I was working throughout the whole thing. What's that? You can't just sit back and go go. There's, there's no sitting back. Once you're in, you're in, you know, and there's yeah. no turning back. And, um, you know, you, you just got to keep plowing forward. But so it was, it was a really worthwhile experience. Um, now, now the real work starts in that we have to fulfill everybody's requests. And so I've started doing that. And I gave myself till um, December, January 
So this what, year. what you mean you have to actually print the copies is that what you're saying well no i i actually printed the copies i went into this because i i've i've read about people who have taken money and then, and then they they've never fulfilled their kickstarter sure and and uh th there's some infamous stories about that uh and and i never wanted to be that guy i wanted to make sure that nothing got in the way so i i put up the money to print the book first sure. and then I kind of reimbursed myself through the Kickstarter. So the books were ready to go. Um, the only thing I still have to do is we, we offered sketch covers okay. and I still have to, you know, uh, do some of those sketch covers, but every, and uh, we have some remarks that I have to do. I've done about um, half of the remarks and um, I can actually show you one of those. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's the regular book, and then in the back, you can you see that? There's oh yeah. A sketch right there that I've done, and this is this is really slick paper uh -huh. that you you can't use a pencil on it. So I'm just you know drawing with ink. Ooh man. You know straight out. Yeah. So it's it's a. Uh, it's a little tricky, but you know. Wow. Wow. That you know, it's funny. Uh drawing hats, not the easiest thing to do. Like like to do a, a profile is one thing, but like because you know, I love Indiana Jones. Well, to draw a fedora, depending on where his head is, that's yeah. that's a yeah. son of a bee. I I don't like that at all. Well, I got I got real used to drawing hats working with Quartermain. Um, so yeah, it, by by the end of the book, it was way easier. But when you're drawing that first panel, well, the first panel, he's not wearing a hat. But uh, you know, the first time he's wearing a hat, you you know, you, it is it is a little bit tricky. And then right. uh, there was a, there was a lot of um, kind of like concept art I did just to get a feel for the character. Because mm -hmm. I did throw, you know, some concept out, concept art out there to some of my artist friends, and they gave me like, oh, you know, I don't like this or I like that, you know, kind of thing. Before mm -hmm. I, you know, kind of started drawing the actual pages for the for the, yeah, for the book. Well, the consistency with the hat alone is is so tough because you can very easily go too wide, you know. Right. Or oh, yeah, I've seen some uh, artists in particular. I'm I'm reading. Speaking of Indiana Jones, I'm reading. I'm on volume two of the original Marvel run, and you got like big names drawing an Indiana Jones book, but it looks like he's wearing a, a derby, depending on who the artist is, and it's a big name. I'm like, really? Yeah. Nobody bothered to say, "Hey, Jimmy, uh, it's a fedora." Not you know, he's not. Lou Abbott or Abbott and Costello, you know, you got to actually right, do the, right. you know. Yeah, if you're going to err on the side of a fedora or a safari hat, err on a wider brims side, you know, right. because right. like you said, you don't want it looking like a derby or, you know, or a bowler or, you know, you it want it. all to, the manhood you know, right out of them. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, err on the on the larger, larger brim side, so. Um, so tell me what the premise is of the Quartermain book. I mean, I know who Quartermain is, but you know, what's the, what's the pitch? 
the pitch is um gosh it's called alan quartermain and the tomb of Hephaestus. i always the tomb of hephaestus okay <laughs> so that's the greek god hephaestus as opposed to the roman god vulcan you know hmm. so hephaestus was the god of kind of he was the guy, who, he was the MacGyver of the Greek gods. There you hey, go. Hey, um, nice tie-in. Very good. He could he could pretty much do, like, anything, you know. Um, probably the only Greek god who was described as ugly, and but he was the, he was the inventor. He could create anything. And uh, so the story kind of opens with Alan taking a holiday in, uh, in, on an island off of Crete. And, uh, he is, you know, kind of the typical, uh, damsel in distress crosses his path and he wants nothing to do with it, you know, cause he's, he's had it, you know, he's, he's on holiday. He just wants to be, to be left alone, but he's drawn into this, you know, some, this skirmish, in order to protect her and she's got a whole backstory and she's searching for the tomb of a Hephaestus and uh you know he knows the legend and I described the legend in the book and he just you know it's wives tales to him he just wants no part of it but because of the people involved he gets drawn in you know, to the, to the story. And that's where the story kind of starts. And now they're on a, you know, kind of an Indiana Jones type quest because let's face it, Quartermain was the original Indiana Jones. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they always say that he was part of the makeup of who Indiana Jones is supposed to be. Yeah. Which is like, I have little... when they did those movies, the Quartermain movies, they were ripping off Indiana Jones, like the same. Oh yeah. And everything. Yeah, I, I tried to I tried to stay away from that just because you know the one influences the other. Um, so, but I tried to I did some research and I tried to keep the the storyline as original as I possibly could mm -hmm. in in you know creating you know what you know kind of like the mystery behind the whole thing. And uh, but I did put in some Easter eggs because because the story takes place in 1885. And I kind of, you know, kind of like the way League of Extraordinary Gentlemen borrows from mm -hmm. different authors. Sure. I, I have a couple of those Easter eggs kind of in there, but with with different characters, none that, uh, sure. you know, that you won't you won't see Captain Nemo or, or any, you know. Yeah. Mr. Hyde or Dr. Jekyll in there, but but I kind of looked to see who was available. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, who's who's a uh, free range out there that you can snag? Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I just say you, you, you get to see who's free range at the moment, and you know who you can possibly team up in the future. You know, yeah, yeah. I have a list of, of things in public domain just just for reference and so yeah i pulled i pulled a couple characters uh which was which was really fun for me you know because i i pulled characters from my childhood um and and i won't give anything away but it was it was kind of fun to to put them in there and then to see people who've read the book do they get it you know, do they recognize those characters as well? And I'm kind of like 50-50 so far. <laughs> the people who have read the book, um, 
there's there's some people that get and love all the references and then some people are like yeah no i didn't i didn't know what you were you know talking about there or i didn't get the get the reference or i don't know who that person is kind of thing so um yeah so it's kind of like 50 50 so far so i wanted to ask uh just it it's gonna sound stupid i'm sure when you go into a store and you say i'd like you to sell my comic how how does that trade-off work do they pay ahead of time for what it's going to be you know what i mean like like if say a, a comic is two dollars do they give you the two dollars right. hoping they're going to redeem it or um yeah i i don't i haven't done cold calls in a while um because now everything is like you got distribution through diamond and whatnot but when when people do um you know, if a store hasn't gotten them through, uh, you know, Diamond or, or another distributor and they, they want to buy books off of me, yes, they would they would pay me directly and I would give them the books. If Beforehand? That's what uh, before they sold it? Yes, yes. No, I, I, yeah. Back in the day when I first started out, like, yes, I was willing to leave books there on consignment um but no i don't need to do that anymore yeah okay i always wondered i always thought boy how do you how do you maneuver that with someone you don't know you know what i mean yeah no no when you're when you're young and you're just trying to get your name out there and get some shelf space um yeah i would i would leave books on consignment if it was you know if there was no other option but nowadays, uh, now people, the the owners, you know, they pay me up front for the books that they want. Mm. Okay, good. Okay, I just I was curious. Um, how, as a writer to a writer now, how do you love writing? Like you're you're basically instead of drawing somebody else's work, how do you love being the writer? Oh, I I. Gosh, um, there's no comparison. I mean, I, I love being the writer. And um, I, I spent so many years trying to be like the best artist um, that I put writing aside for, I don't know, a good, good 10 years. Um, and I was just doing, you know, commission work and, you know, work for hire and freelance, whatever. Um, and I'm just trying to be the best artist that I can be. But I, once I started writing Seamus, uh, the first book, I realized how much that I missed writing, yeah. you know, um, and, and writing is, is like anything, like the more you do it, the better you get at it. So mm -hmm. I was a little rusty, um, you know, the first book, you know, uh, Seamus the Famous and the Treasure of Gunnar Forkbeard, there were a lot of rewrites for that book. Whereas the the Seamus and the Eternity Run, um, the second book, this one here, right. there were there was, you know, kind of like one and done. Like I just wrote the script and very little edits um, were involved in that um, kind of thing. But but yeah, writing is, is, you know, it's just like artwork. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Because yeah. I remember when I tried to, I was, I was all of about, 
Um, well, I, I always won the creative writing award in school, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, um, the first time I sat down to try to write an actual book, I think I was probably about, I don't know, 13, 12 or 13 years old. And I, and I wrote, um, I was trying to write a sci-fi story and I wrote a page, I wrote a couple pages and then I read it back and it was garbage. It was absolute garbage. And I just, I just put the typewriter away and it was just a manual typewriter back then. And, um, and I didn't write for a long time because it sounded like when I read it back to me, my own writing sounded like, see Dick run, see Jane run, yeah, see Dick and Jane run. You know, it, it just sounded like that. And I'm like, that's, that's horrible. So um, yeah, it takes a while for you to kind of like find your rhythm and find your voice. But, you know, once you do, and you get away from it, you realize how much you miss it, you know? Oh, yeah. I, for me, uh, the, the thing I always try to stay aware of is not reuse the same descriptors for the characters. Like, you know, because it's oh, it, yeah. you can only say the guy's name is Jimmy so many times. And you, you got to be creative with how you mention him without always saying Jimmy. But also I find, and this is, I think, where the real work for me is, you have to write the in-between moments. Like, I want to get to the the exciting, this happened and this happened. Well, you have to explain that he had to take 20 steps down, you know, the block to get to and set up that scene. So that sure. way, the, the you know, all of that sort of minutia, that's, I think that's the real work because it's easy to do the fun stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Um, be, because I, you know, because I work with sequential art, um yeah i i can kind of shortcut stuff like that you know because i'm not writing prose and right. i can put stuff you know in the picture to kind of alleviate some of the description you know like mm -hmm. setting a scene i do that visually and i don't have to like paint a picture the way like you know jack higgins describes a bottle of scotch you know i don't have to do that um and, and i don't do that in children's books anyway <laughs> but uh but yeah but he's my favorite he's my favorite writer so the way he describes things in his book um i really appreciate that but i i i fortunately don't have to do that because you know i'm a visual person and i can you know do that as an artist and leave my writing to kind of like quick-witted stuff mm -hmm. you know um mm -hmm. setting up jokes um you know setting up you know key moments like like you like you mentioned yeah you know yeah. i years ago i was you know before i guess we'd, we'd say before modern technology allows you to do some stuff i would always try to push a original comic idea and I was losing my job. Everybody was losing their job where I worked. And so you're sitting around and they're going past the time. So I'm like, all right. And I did a whole issue script panel to panel and doing the, you know, this is the angle it would come from. And this is, and I was really proud because I did it really in a cinematic way. And I thought, boy, this is great. 
now now what you know like i didn't have an artist that was going to do that because i love drawing right. i i love drawing action and people i don't want to draw houses and buildings and you know that's the background stuff is where i lose that's it. yeah man that's I, job. I know, right so i thought all right i got this great script and i tried to shop it around but again we didn't have social media the way we do now so I was just grabbing like random comic book people. Oh, you work at Marvel. Here's an idea, you know. And right. then it's still there. I still have the script. But then I thought, boy, it's tough. It is hard to break into just to have people pay attention. So like for you to go, basically what I did with writing was, F it, I'm doing it on my own. Like that, I I'm right. doing this. I right. I'm in control of this. I'm not. I always put it this way. I'm not asking permission anymore. If you would like to see what I'm, I could do. I'm doing it. You know, which mm -hmm. is why I do the audio series because I'm impatient. I want to write it. I got to get it acted. I got to you know just get it out. Get it because that's sitting there. And I know you go through this too. I did my part. I want. Where's the rest? Come on. Let's get going. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm very impatient. I want it to get, I want everybody to see it or in my case, hear it and give me feedback. Hopefully they enjoy it because, you know, in our own minds, we're thinking, I want to be like the, the writers that we love. I want to be celebrated oh, sure. and looked up to and like, you know, them people to go, man, that last book he did was brilliant or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right, right but yeah know. no we, we all grew up on we all grew up on uh you know george lucas's films and you know i, I wanted to be at 11 years old i wanted to be george lucas and yeah. um i am not george lucas but um but there are times when i can i can i feel kindred to somebody like that because i am actually creating a world like he created a world kind of thing and i'm creating characters like he created characters and um yeah and it's it's it is a lot of fun um and it's been it's been a long time it seems like it's gone by like that mm -hmm. but you know it, it it it's been uh since you know it's been close to like 28 years since i put out my first book huh. and um yeah are you going to do, um, are you planning on doing like more quarter main? That's what somebody just, somebody just asked me from the Kickstarter and um, yes, I, I would like, to, but it really depends on like the Kickstarter was a success, but I'm also using um, the co convention scene as a litmus test for whether, you know, the, the audience is really out there for, for more quarter main stuff. Sure. Like, you know, this book is this book is a, a self-contained story. Right you now, I call it a graphic novelette um, because it's a little bit longer than a one shot comic. But it is one self-contained story. And um, and that's what I want to put out now, because, you know, when you do the convention scene, it is hard to sell someone on a series. Sure. You know, uh, but if you could give them, this is a complete story, which is what I did with the Seamus books as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, here is a, their graphic novels. Here's a complete story. You know, you don't have to worry about when you're going to get the next one. This is complete. And I, that, those are the stories that I want to do. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to do more quarter main stuff. It just depends on if, the, if there's, you know, the audience is the, it's supply and demand, you know, right. Right. Well, I can you know, supply it, but. I think you chose wisely because I've been on the big, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. It amazes me that the moment that Disney owned Indiana Jones, that they didn't one crank out an ongoing comic book series and an animated series. I mean, since 1981, there should have always have been an Indiana Jones animated thing. So if if Disney's so dense to not jump on that, well, Quartermain could be scratching that itch. Right, right. that's, That's my thought process. I mean, he's a great character, you know, and, and the older I get, the more like I appreciate the character because because he is older, you know, he's a seasoned character, and and that gives him just like you know a whole range of emotions, you know that, you know because you and I both know that you know we're not any smarter than we used to be, but we're wiser and we have more experience than mm-hmm. than you know we used to have. So uh, that makes for interesting characterization. Yeah. Well, yes. now, now, now let's do our typical geek out about other things too. What movies have you seen this summer that you've really enjoyed? Gosh, um, well, I did see Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I was, I was happy to say it was a thousand times better than Crystal Skull because <laughs> Crystal Skull was abysmal. I, it just. It is just so terrible, and and to have that kind of trilogy, you know, just have that you know stinker in there, because um, let's face it, that's that's that first trilogy is is almost flawless. Right. I mean, it's just so well done, and then you got Crystal Skull, which is just abysmal. So they kind of rebounded a little bit with the with the latest one. I'm not. It's not better than the than the first three. But it wasn't but you know what? nearly as... I'll tell you this. Here's my view of the whole thing. The biggest flaw of any Indiana Jones movie is that we only got five Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. This is this is a just like Ghostbusters, and I'm sure there's others. This was so rich that we should have had a new movie every two years. You know, you got you got Lucas and Spielberg going, oh, we have to all we ha- the MacGuffin has to be. Uh, it has to be something good. No, it doesn't. I wish I was in the room to just go. Nobody cares about what he's after. Just get him out there. Get Indiana mm-hmm. Jones being Indiana Jones because, you know, now we only have five movies to judge from. And, you know, Crystal Skull has mutt in it and he's swinging with, with monkeys. And that was the low point of the movie. I love Crystal Skull because I love Indiana Jones. But that scene kills me. Because, you know, you can feel them trying to force Mutt on you. And Mutt is not a likable character. And, you know, and Indiana Jones, unfortunately, because we haven't had enough, we never got the in-depth, like, he's kind of a a one-note type of character. We don't know how he feels about his car or, you know, his class. Or we never got a lot of dynamics that, say, you would in a TV show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's always there to be the hero and be the action guy. And then in this last movie, 
just like with um, Last Crusade, they gave us more. We got some in-depth, you know, feeling sure. and emotion. And, yeah. you know, and now that it's done, you're like, oh, it kills me. So why are you not cranking out an animated series? Because there's, from the time he's 20, forever, you could just make them. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they they try with the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but I, I do think an animated series would be um, a, a better fit. I think. Right? Yeah, and cheaper. I mean, nobody. You're never yeah. going to replace Harrison Ford. So get a guy who can do the Harrison Ford voice and just go like it's drawn. Sure. You know, sure. it wouldn't cost Disney a cent. I don't know who's sitting on that. Um, yeah. Well, did you see the flash i did see the flash and um i thoroughly enjoyed um well that put it firstly anybody who's read comics it's it, the flash movie that we just got is nothing new okay i'm not going to give anything away to you know your viewers who haven't seen it yet but it's a story that if you've read the comics you've read that story before Sure. However, I, I, you know, Michael Keaton coming back as Batman was worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> I was, mean, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So people, you know, if, if they say, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. But, okay, you can put all that aside. Seeing Keaton in the Batman suit again, and props for keeping in shape, Michael right? Keaton, because... You know that ain't easy. Um, yeah, I thought that was was fantastic. Um, so yes, I I enjoyed uh, the Flash movie. Did you? Yeah. How about I, uh, I did. Uh, Blue Beetle? Blue Beetle, I haven't seen yet. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. I hear your thoughts. Yeah, I I um, I I always keep an open mind going into these things, even though like I was as a huge Ted Cord fan. Right. You know, and that's like I'm total nerd that way. Um, you know, I, I feel like I wish they had done more with that character. Um, I won't tell you, you know, so, but you'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good. But but I do. Um, I did. Uh, I did thoroughly enjoy um, the Brave and the Bold series, the Batman animated oh, Brave sure. and the Bold series. Okay. And. Um, the the blue beetle the young blue beetle the one who's featured in the movie made yeah. a lot of appearances in that as well so so i did like i did like how they passed pass the torch right i'm i'm not someone who's like it's not my blue beetle no it's it is my blue beetle you know because yeah. i was the same way when um you know barry allen passed the torch to wally west uh -huh. um you know i i appreciate that as a reader sure. i'm not one of these fans who's like well that's not my flash or that's not my blue beetle no i mean if, if it's done right you right. can pass the torch you can pass off a mantle mm -hmm. um and and write some really great stuff um yeah. but it just has to be done right well you know? that's that's the key and i'll tell you i they did no real publicity for blue beetle so when it came and we're like, oh, wow, that came out this weekend. All right. I guess we're going Sunday. And, you know, because yeah. movies are so expensive 
the family, we only go to see superhero movies. Like right. that's in the theater. Cause one, we want to see it on the big screen and two, we don't want to be spoiled come Monday morning. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I hoped it was going to be good and it exceeded our expectations. I had no complaints whatsoever at oh, all. Great. Right. Great. So I think you'll be thrilled too. I, I do appreciate when they, when they, you know, kind of, because I mean, I've seen all the probably all probably all the Batman movies I need to see in my lifetime. If I were to get hit, if I were to die tomorrow, I'd seen enough Batman movies. But yes, you know, um, you know, exploring new characters—that's what in, that's what intrigues me as as a moviegoer. So yes, I will I will look forward to you know watching the Blue Beetle. Um, the same way when when uh, Marvel first introduced Guardians of the Galaxy, I was so excited for that, and huh. and because everybody's like, "Who's the Guardians of the Galaxy?" and "Who's Rocket Raccoon?" and I'm just like, "Oh, you're in for a treat! You're in for a treat!" <laughs> and fortunately, I was right. You know, and um, he did a beautiful job wrapping that up. Yeah, yeah, I mean that last movie was amazing. I'm like, wow, you actually tied off all the loose ends. That was great. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. They they did well. They did well with that stuff. Yeah. Let's see what what else is is out there. What else have I been seeing? Hmm. Uh, well, I've been watching. Uh, I I bond with my kids because my kids are all grown up. Sure. So my uh, my youngest daughter's an artist in New York City. So is my my middle daughter's an artist in New York City. And my son, he's about forty five minutes from. He's the oldest, but we we bond over watching Ahsoka. Okay, yeah, we're watching that. Yeah, me and my boy. And and um and and we've all we watched all the uh, well we watched all the Clone Wars and we watched Rebels. So. Our our backstory there is pretty rich, so everybody in you know kind of like in the text messages knows what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. kids, my kids know their Star Wars, so <laughs> I you know, props for me for for making sure that they know their Star Wars. So we are really enjoying that, and and I just uh, said to my daughter, I said, um, you know what. I said, you and I are going to do a sketch challenge because she she draws a lot. And I said, I said, I'm going to pick the first character. I'm going to pick uh, General Sindula. And I said, you take as much time as you want. I'll probably get to mine within within a week or so. And and you draw yours. I said, you can draw. You can draw the one from the, the TV show. You can draw the one from Rebels. You can draw a hybrid between the between the two of them, whatever you want to do. And however detailed, and she's a painter. I said, if you want to paint it, if you just want to draw a pencil sketch, whatever. But, uh, you know, we were just having so much fun bonding over the, the, the shows that we're watching. Because yeah. she's also a huge Neil Gaiman fan. Mm. And we were watching, uh, well, her, her favorite movie is Stardust, and that's one of her favorite books. Mm -hmm. So I suggested her to, you know, uh, if you've never read the Graveyard book, you should pick that one up. And, and we were watching uh, Good Omens together with uh, Michael Sheen and uh, David Tennant. And those two together are just comedy gold. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's been really it's been really fun to to bond with my kids over 
you know, even though they're far away at times to over, you know, what we watch. Sure. But, well, I mean, I, I, I point out to Mikey, I, I'm like, you don't understand how much, how we are living in the golden age. And he does, he gets it. But I'm like, when, when, you know, when you and I were hit little kids, do you ever think we were going to get an Ant-Man movie or that anybody wanted one, let alone how good they would be, you know? We never I, I remember, well, when you say that, I remember Garrett Morris dressed up as Ant-Man sure. on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> right? And, and and I'll tell you, for years, I was like, look at that, they're putting Superman and the Hulk together, and they're, you know, right. it, was a, it was a joke. I was like, no, this is, I want this, you know, and now we're, yeah. now we're yeah. getting it. Who the heck would have ever thought we would have had an Ahsoka series? Oh, I know. And, and, and just thinking back to those days when you're, you know, you're a kid watching the electric company and Spider-Man yep. would come on and yep. like, yeah, he was kind of a lame, but at the time you thought he was the awesomest Spider-Man out there. I mean, because that's all you had. Yeah. And, and I, I, the, the original um, Spider-Man television show with, sure. um, was uh, Hammond? Uh, what was his? Yeah, name? Peter. First name? No, it wasn't Peter. Peter. Peter Hanner. Was it? I don't know. Well, I know Hammond was. was he was from the sound of music. That's what I know. I mean, yes, yeah, yes. Um, but but I I love those. Even though they they by today's standards they're like totally lame, but they were still great. Now the the Incredible Hulk with Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby still yeah. holds up. I yeah. mean that that was that was really great. Well, I'm still on season season two showing Mikey. We don't get to it all the time, but season two of Greatest American Hero, and oh, even yeah. though, right, and that that was yeah. he was my he was bigger than Superman to me. Uh, my buddy and I would play in the yard, and he'd be Superman. I'm like, great, I'm going to be the Greatest American Hero, and you know, and then I knew the special effects weren't great, but it it didn't matter. The dynamic between Bill Maxwell, you know, and Hinckley were was like Sam and Al from Quantum Leap. That's what sold the show. Right, right. Like that is such a great dynamic that you can't replace. Yeah, and, and yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Quantum Leap just like I'm sure Quantum Leap just totally ate that relationship. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. it was exa exactly the same. So, right. Yeah. And, as a matter of fact, I was watching it last Saturday with uh, one of the episodes. Uh, and we got to meet William Cat too a couple times. So Did you? yeah, very sweet. And his favorite episode was my favorite episode. So I was thrilled about that. And uh, so we're watching an episode last Saturday, Mikey and I. And I said, "Look at, I'm getting the same vibes of a Sam and Al that I'm getting from these two. How they they kind of annoy each other for fun, and yet they're like brothers. You know, it's." Right, right. That, that, that's what makes it so watchable now. The blue screen thing, you're like, whatever. Like, ah, I can't fly. It's the same footage <laughs> that they used for three years of him going, oh, you know. You're like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah just, just get there and do the thing, you know. But, um, oh, you know what I wanted to tell you, too? Uh, I, I know we did talk about it. What was the name of the musician that you had me listen to? Oh, Matt Nathanson. Yeah, like his stuff. Um, there was one song in particular you wanted me to hear. Well, I listened to the whole album, and all the songs were great. Yeah, the the was it the Boston 
Boston album. Um, yep. Yeah, that's that's really really a great album, and uh, he went on tour with Matchbox Twenty oh. just recently. So he's been he's been touring around the United States, and I think they just jumped over to England. So I think he's over there right. Uh, oh, he was over there recently, if not right now. Um, so yeah, he was only supposed to tour on the West Coast with Matchbox Twenty. And then somebody else was supposed to open for Matchbox 20 on the East Coast. And I think the guys from Matchbox 20 liked him so much. So they're like, we're taking you on the whole tour. So he he just had a grand old time with uh, – and that's a that's a great billing right there. Matt Nathanson and Matchbox 20. I, I Unfortunately, they didn't get close enough for me to, you know, get to one of the concerts. Yeah. Yeah. I got lucky um, a couple of years ago. Just as a like a last minute, the end of the tour, uh, Ray Le Montaigne, who we love, decided to do a concert on a Sunday night in Wilkes-Barre. So we're oh, like, wow. oh crap, going to that. He's in my backyard, basically. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, yeah, we're going to that, and it was great because it wasn't it wasn't like planned. You know, it sold out right away. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's him and another guy, and they're just playing acoustic guitar for two hours doing songs that might've had a bigger arrangement originally, but with him, you didn't need it. Just let him, right. sing, let the other guy do harmony. And it, it gave me a new appreciation for some of the songs that weren't necessarily my favorites. Right. You know, I'd be like, right. Oh, okay. Now I, okay. Now I get it. I get it. I like this song now. You know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, cause you'd be the guy to ask. Um, I just saw an advertisement for uh jim croce's son is touring playing his dad's music yeah aj croce yes have you seen him have you heard him i've heard him he's not he's not his dad he's not jim croce no you're not getting you're not getting the next generation of jim croce he's very um oh they had done a they had done a um behind the music on vh1 back when they used to do one and at the end they talk about aj you know do it, but like his dad, he's got his own style, and they have him going, and I'm like, oh, oh okay. dude, you, you're you're different. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. uh, enjoy that. And now he does. It's Croce on Croce is, I think, like the name of the album. He and it's him sitting okay. sideways in a black and white photo, just like his dad. And it's very, he's very blues. He's very, you know, and he's got that gravelly voice. He doesn't sound. Uh-huh. Like his, he doesn't sound like his dad, unfortunately. Okay. And well, his, see, I knew you were the guy to ask when, yeah. it, when it came to that. It's like, gosh, I, if 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 because uh, I hadn't seen him yet and I hadn't heard him, I just had these ads pop up on my, um, I think my Facebook feed, and I'm just like, I guess because you know, I have his dad on my playlist and stuff like that, and you know, Big Brother's always watching. So I started getting these feeds for AJ Croce, and I was just like, I bet Mac knows. What oh, yeah. I, you know. I'll tell you, you know what? You know, with Jim Croce, you can't go wrong. Uh, he never right. had time to write a bad song. It's, everything's great. Well, what you should throw on your playlist is a album called Bombs Over Puerto Rico. I'll, I'll just send you the link. Don't worry about it. Okay. You have to write it down. Um, but it's him and his wife. They originally were a team. Really? And, yeah, she lost her voice. She doesn't sing anymore. But 
Um, originally, his plan was it was the two of them. They were going to do it. And boy, you want to hear some great stuff. Them singing, really? she'll, it, she'll sing lead, he'll sing harmony, and then they'll do the chorus and they'll switch. You know, so they do little tricks like that. And it's not gimmicky, it's really sincere. But um, yeah, they had a couple albums that you can find now. And and like I said, I'll send you some links so you'll see what I mean. It was great. Some of the songs that he would end up doing uh, later on on his own, he did another version with her. And it's mm-hmm. such a shame because I guess eventually, you know, she got pregnant with AJ and he said, well, I'm going to go out. I'll just keep going out on the road. You stay home, be a mom. And that that it's a shame because I would love it. At, had he been around still, I'm pretty sure she would still be would have sung more with him. Have it's, you and Cindy ever covered any of that stuff? Oh, we, we sing their songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, as a matter of fact, there's a couple songs that I haven't learned the guitar for, but we'd love to sing it a cappella. Um, mm-hmm. Hard Times Be Over is the name of the song in particular that I'm thinking of. We just we were just at a um, a buddy's house where he it's like a potluck, and after we eat, we all sit in a circle. Whether you play guitar or fiddle or banjo or whatever, and each person picks a song for all of us to sing. Well, we happen to be doing this kind of thing where we're talking about Jim Croce, and we're like, "Oh, what's that? What's that song?" So we started to sing it a cappella so they can hear what we're talking about. And it's wow, yeah, it's it's got a nice patter to it. Uh, I'll send it to you. As a matter of fact, we only have like five minutes left before this cuts out on us. But okay. as, as soon as we get done, I'll look it up. And once you look for it on on um, Spotify, it'll you know it'll give you all the rest of the songs. You, yeah, you'll you're in for a treat. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously anybody else that ever trips your trigger that you think I might like, send me a link and I'll check them out because I liked the guy you sent. Oh, yeah. No, Matt's great. I, I We got to, a chance to see him twice in the last year just because, you know, he went out after COVID. And then, uh, you know, he was able to kind of like because that tour was so successful. He's like, I don't know if we're going to get shut down again. I'm going to go out again and do a, like a little mini tour. Mm-hmm. And then because he was having so much success, I think Matchbox 20 said, oh, this guy's, you know, perfect for us. And so he's, I, he probably hasn't been home in like two years for, <laughs> for crying out loud, just because of the success of his tours. Now, so, I'm, I'm sure I sent you in the past. I think last time we, we saw each other, I think I sent you a bunch of songs to check out. By like David Gray and Ray Montaigne and maybe Jeremy Messer. No, you mentioned that name and I think that's new. So no, I don't think you sent me. I, I know David Gray, yes, you did send me. Okay. And I did listen to those. Uh that was a long time ago. Okay. But um the name uh Ray Le- was Ray that Le again? Montaigne. Ray Lay Montaigne. Yeah. And I always remember how to spell Lay Montagny is how I remember it, you know, because it's yeah. not yeah. a common name. And Jeremy, no, that sounds it. new to me. That okay. sounds new to me. So I have to check that out. I yeah. will. I'll, I'll, uh, all right. Well, we'll get off now and um, tell people where they can find your work. Okay. Well, you can find me uh, on Facebook, uh, Chris Ring Illustrator. I, you can also find me, uh, Chris Ring, because um, I have two different pages. I keep the illustration page separate. 
but I post my stuff everywhere. Uh, you can find me at Christopher Ring Art um, on Instagram, um, or you can go to CatskillComics.com and you can find my, you know, my work there if you wanted to commission something. And as for my books, um, you know, you can find them in your local comic book store, um, except for the new, the new one. I, this won't be in comic shops to like fulfill all the Kickstarter orders, um, kind of as a thank you to them. But then it should be in comic book stores. So up up in your neck of the woods, I'll make sure that Dave Romeo gets it at Comics on the Green. Sweet. I think he has some some of the Seamus works. Here is the 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 new Seamus book, which is the Eternity Run. And then I also have uh, this is an oldie but a goodie. But it still sells like crazy, yeah. which is the the poll book, which is a collection of Edgar Allan Poe stories that myself, Mike Grell, um, the late Norm Brayfogle, um, just a bunch of we did cover illustrations for our favorite Edgar Allan Poe uh, works. So nice. that was that was a lot of fun. I'm working on a new book right now. Uh, it's a it's a children's book, um, but I can't divulge anything i'm about halfway through it um if you're in the lock haven area i'm i have a gallery showing at the end of this month um and it's it's we're celebrating inktober so we're uh, me and some tattoo artists are putting our work together in a gallery showing um the station gallery up in lock haven pennsylvania so that that's fun and then the next show I have, I'm doing the Super Jersey Expo in Homedale, New Jersey. And that's at the end of October. I just came off of Baltimore Comic-Con, which was a really big show. Nice. Well, oh, wow, you got it right in under the wire. We have a minute left. So that was good before this darn okay. thing cuts us off. Um, well, but thank you, my friend. It was great to see you. Yeah, you too. Anytime. Um, if I don't see you before a uh, convention, you let me know next time you have a project coming and we'll do this again. Sounds great. All right. All right. Take and care. Thanks, everybody, for I do, watching. Uh, Cindy and the kids. They still say hi. Oh, by the way, Mikey was thrilled that we were talking. He's like, you're talking to Chris Ring? I'm like, yeah. All right. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. You tell him I said hello. I will. Have a good one. Tell everybody on your, tell your wife who I know, uh, tell her I said hi. I will. I will. Right. Take care. See ya. See ya. <laughs>
where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson and all of his iconic characters. We have life stories, episode reviews, and great conversations with actors and the people behind the scenes. We also have merchandise, blogs, art, and so much more, all through the Forever Adventure Network. Join us today, and remember, stay creative, everyone. The Forever Adventure Network. Welcome to the adventure. <laughs> <laughs>